in Exodus 20, and we will look at the fifth commandment this morning. Exodus 20, verse 12. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your divine, divinely spoken word. We thank you for the special revelation granted to us as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. For all that we have has come from you. Our faith, Lord, uh, the ability to trust what your word declares, what your word means, and to help us this morning, Lord, in this study to understand more greatly um, this command, uh, what it means for us, what it means for the church, and uh, prepare our hearts as well as all of our brothers and sisters who will be entering in the next hour. Uh, prepare us, Lord, to worship and to grow in a greater understanding of you by way of your word. In Christ's name, amen. Well, we've been studying the Ten Commandments here for a number of weeks. And uh, the Ten Commandments, uh, at one time, were learned by every child, really, in the Western world. There's no doubt about that. I mean, they established and embedded with, within the minds um, of these pupils, remember, I remember as a kid myself, um, principles of right and wrong. Obviously, as Christians, we know that the law is a schoolmaster that drives us to Christ, but e- 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 that being said, even the Western world early on looked at the Ten Commandments as certain principles of moral uprightness, and that if a society was to function without imploding, you know, it would look to and adhere to, um, in principle, these Ten Commandments. Um, even people who didn't believe that these words were spoken by God, as we know they were and are, uh, viewed them, as, as, again, as a brief summary of the highest kind of, of private and, and public morality uh, for the good and the ordering of society. Uh, But today, even many Christians can't even recite three or four of the Ten Commandments. You know, I'm not going to ask you to recall them, but a lot of Christians don't know more than three. But these here are commandments introduced by God uh, to a, a covenant people that he redeemed from a community of slavery. And it wasn't only because of his covenant with Abraham, but also, again, because he rescued them as a people from bondage. And he brought them out. So that my people can what? Worship me. Worship me. In Numbers 4, verse 22, God refers to Israel as my firstborn son. And here as we look at the Ten Commandments, we've viewed thus far the first table of the law, uh, the first four commandments, which have a a, a Godward uh, propensity, you know, how we are to worship God, first who we are to worship, 
how we are to worship, how we are to revere the name of the Most High. And really, the first four commandments are, are, are a focus on uh, the duties of what we call piety. And then the second table of the law for which we enter into this morning, um, the second set of commandments have to do with our relationship to mankind. First one is a focus with our relationship to God. These last six is our relationship with fellow man. And we must keep in mind that our relations to fellow men are indeed an expression of our love for who? For God. Very simple. And we, we see evidence even from within the commandments that there's a continuity that exists between loving God and loving neighbor. We see the same principle in the New Testament. John says, uh, if you cannot love God, or you do not love God, and you cannot love God if you hate your neighbor. So there's this inseparable connection um, in our duties to man and our love for God. And a right relationship with one another, especially within the church, flows out of our relationship with God. Always has and always will. So here our vertical responsibilities are addressed in commandments one through four. Our horizontal relationships and responsibilities are commandments six through ten. And he begins to express, as he begins to express these horizontal um, relationships and responsibilities, if you notice the very first thing he says, what's the first word he uses? Honor. <laughs> and he begins with the, with the parental relationship. Honor. The first four commands basically said, basically said, worship God only, revere God only, honor God only. And then in the fifth commandment, the first word out of God's mouth, speaking about our parents, he uses the word honor or revere. Honor your parents. So whether we come under the authority of our parents willingly or respond to their role of authority with rebellion is directly related to how we respond to God. How we respond to our creator. And our response to parents uh, to a great degree, reveals something of our relationship to God. And, and that's what unfolds here. Um, when we look at the whole panoply of Scripture, when we look from Genesis to Revelation, we, we see this connection. And the, the fabric, really, of how a child relates to parents um, is woven throughout Scripture, from the front to the back, from the beginning to the end. And we'll see some of that this morning. Uh, but for Israel... Okay, for Israel in this time, to, to dishonor mother and father was to dishonor the community, was to dishonor the nation. God was very serious about it. I mean, if you want to, you can, you can either listen or turn to Deuteronomy 21. And in verse 18, it says, If a man has a stubborn and rebellious son who will not obey the voice of his father or the voice of his mother, and though they discipline him, will not listen to them? Then his father and his mother shall take hold of him and bring him out to the elders of the city at the gate of the place where he lives. And they shall say to the elders of the city, This our son is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey our voice. He is a glutton and a drunkard. 
Then all the men of the city shall stone him to death with stones. So you shall purge the evil from your midst. And notice this, and all Israel shall hear and fear. So again, to dishonor parents was to dishonor the whole nation, a nation, God's covenant people, his covenant community. So obviously obeying mom and dad is certainly sown into this commandment. There's an order to honor mother and father. It's addressed to Israel. It's addressed to us to this day. Defining for us covenantal faithfulness. Covenantal faithfulness. And covenantal faithfulness begins at home. Amen? It begins at home. Church for our children begins at home. Amen? This isn't something separate. This is all part of of being a covenant community of God's people. Now, the biblical vision of, of this command really has in mind the father taking the lead, taking the lead in the home to train up the children. You know, this is more than a commandment given just to children. Obviously, the majority, those that are the recipients of hearing this glorious truth are adults. And they're to convey this to their children. So the, the role of the man at the head of the home uh, is, is with regard to a, a, a transgenerational heritage. Preparing my children. Preparing my children and my children's children. So t- today... The thought is that, okay, as parents, our job is to raise our children. We train our boys to be men. We want to train our girls to be women. We want to train our sons to be husbands, our daughters to be wives. Get them through school, send them off, and then we can brush our hands off and the job is done. But from a biblical perspective, that's, that's not the case. Uh, the, the biblical vision is for a man to take the responsibility not only for his children, but his children's children. You know, my son and his child, he's ultimately responsible, but the hope is that by sowing the truth into him, that will be passed on. And we, we, we can still have some uh, much relational involvement uh, because of the responsibility um, I know that I have. So the first relationship learned in life is the, is the parent uh, child relationship, uh, basically defined by way of, of, of loving, of teaching, uh, providing uh, discipline when necessary. And it's ultimately, of course, to, to raise them in the fear and the admiration of the one true God. Um, that's what's in view here. When God gave the Decalogue, um, there's a responsibility. We see that defined in Deuteronomy 6. With regard to a father and his children, you know it. You shall teach them, what? Diligently. Teach them, that is the truth, the precepts, the law, to the covenant people Israel. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlet frontlets between your eyes you shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates so that basically describes the teaching 
and the modeling that takes place in the home. To teach and to model, to model and to teach, to teach and to model, to model and to teach. And we, all, we always fail in the modeling part, right? Right? <laughs> and by grace, we get up and we continue on. We continue to sow the truth in. We live by faith. We teach it and we model it. One of the greatest compliments you can ever get from your children is that, well, I know my parents aren't perfect, but one thing they're not are hypocrites. That's one thing. That's a great thing to hear from your kid. <laughs> they're no different on Sunday than they are on Monday, Wednesday, or Friday. In other words, the truth that they love, the truth that they proclaim, the, the Savior that they embrace, they embrace him all week and they entrust themselves and have entrusted themselves to him and they see his word as authoritative, as eternal. So children were to be taught, the covenant community of Israel, that you are part of this privilege. You, you are part of this promise and you must live and learn how to live day by day according to the word of God. So that, what's the promise connected to this? So that the father would speak to his children that your days may be long upon the land in which the Lord your God has given you. There's the promise. God went on to instruct Israel, for instance, in Joshua. It says, when your children ask in time to come, why do those, sto- what does those stones mean to you? Remember when they crossed the Jordan? What do those stones mean to you? Then you should tell them. You should be prepared to tell them. That's the instruction. He put us in this land for a reason, children, and it was for his glory. This is what the father was, were to, to speak to their children. They were to know of God's deliverance. They were to know about the exodus. They were to know what they were delivered from and what God brought them through, how God manifested his glory and his power. They were to know these things. It was to be passed on to these things. So in Judaism, this was the functional role of the paternal head of the family. This was the role of daddy, primarily. He was to teach And he was to ensure not only a pattern of traditions that were to be followed, but more than that, God's pattern of truth. That was the responsibility. And the hope is that the children grow up to honor the mother and father because what they honor in their parents, they honor in God because what they see their parents doing, worshiping, The hope is that they will do the same. Now, there's also many passages with regard to the nurturing of a mother's love. When we get to the New Testament, and Paul is uh, writing to Timothy, you remember what he said in in 2 Timothy 1? He goes, I am reminded of your sincere faith. A faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you. So here's a mother and grandmother doing, obviously, an absent father here. Timothy had a Gentile father, if you remember. Grandma and mom transferred doctrine to Timothy. That's the man's responsibility, to transfer doctrine to the children, 
truth. 2 Timothy 3, as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. So all of that Old Testament teaching was there to teach you those sacred writings about salvation in in Christ. So again, the Christian... Uh, the Christian home is the child's first church, first school. I heard someone say it's his first experience with government, government of the home. That's good. So mom and dad ultimately serve as schoolmasters, amen? Schoolmasters teaching and leading their children to Christ, to see their necessity for a Savior. There's only one. To see that ultimately they are not unlike their mother and father, lawbreakers. As the children of God, we love the law of God, but we've all broken the law of God. But the great law keeper, the one who upheld the law and then laid down his life, we drive our children to the Savior. And the command for Israel was that no child was to be ignorant of the story of the Exodus. They were not to be ignorant of the story of redemption, of deliverance, of freedom, or how God made a covenant with the nation. So we, in like manner, are to teach our children and make them ever familiar with the story of redemption, salvation, the Savior. They are taught to honor and revere God, and that begins in the home. Principles remains the same. Honor your father and mother. Now, we've all heard that most of our lives, all right? It's a good manipulative tool of a parent. God says, honor mom and dad. But when we think of it, we we use it for the sake of external obedience most times, amen? Amen. But honor has, has much more to do with just mere outward obedience. It's reverence to the Most High. It's an inward desire to desire. We want to sow into them to have, hopefully, by the grace of God, an inward desire to desire what mom and dad desire. And that is the Lord Most High. So, most often, we only see this commandment being addressed to children, and that's what I'm trying to erase, if that is indeed how you view the commandment, is simply being given to children. It's a commandment primarily given to adults to be transferred to the children, more than anything else. So it has much more to do with, you know, keeping Junior from sticking toys into the electronic equipment, or, you know, saying no to mom and dad has to do with with an obligation to care for them and to nurture their soul. You know, I, I see that I have a lot of material, so I might have to cut some of this out. Um, as we move on through here, we're going to see that the commandment, yes, is something for children they are to uh, honor mother and father. Father, it's to be um, nurtured. They're to be nurtured with this truth. But also, 
uh, we're going to see that this command also has to do with the responsibility of children to care for aged parents. An obligation to care for them. Not as an inconvenience, but as a privilege, actually. And age in our day is not something that we as a culture have much respect for. In, in many other cultures, seniority, um, seasoned people are, are looked at with great reverence, with honor, dignity. But that's something that means much less in our day. Would you agree with that? Parental authority comes to a point that seems to be disregarded when they get older. We've seen in, in our lifetime you know, kids calling the authorities on their parents. That's ridiculous. And it happens. Because what do they hear? Child abuse, child abuse. So when they're given a, a true spanking, a licking, as we called it, you know, a kid, because of what they hear, will, uh, will call the police. So honor your father and mother, again, is to respect, to honor, to revere, and when necessary, to care for the parents. And I want to illustrate that from the New Testament. This isn't something, some view that I'm inserting in here. Jesus spoke about this. And it's a command that calls Christians to respect and honor their parents all through life because of their respect and honor for Almighty God. But first, I want you to notice a couple things. In Romans chapter 1, which we looked at a few months ago, if you notice, beginning at or around verse 28, it says... uh, Since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They're full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossip, slanders, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, and what? Disobedient to parents. That's where it all starts. That's where... A society like this begins to break down. Disobedience to parents. So stuck here right in the middle of it all, of all of these debauched type of behaviors, uh, Paul writes, and disobedient to parents. In 2 Timothy 3, Paul's last letter, he writes to Timothy, this young pastor, and he, he tells Timothy that you're going to minister in a day where, where everything basically seems to be falling apart. He talks about people being lovers of money, lovers of selves, alienated in, in their affections for one another. They'll accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. They'll turn away from listening to the truth, wander off into myths. And he talks, he, he says in there that uh, there'll be a spirit of, of disobedience towards parents, which is really interesting. 
to be without self-control, heartless, unappeasable, treacherous, verse 4, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure, denying the power of God. And right there in verse 2, in the middle of it all, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy. Now in Matthew, or well, Matthew 15, but also Mark. If you turn to Mark, I want to show you something with regard to the care of parents and how Jesus viewed this when they were neglected. In Mark 7, it says, The Pharisees gathered to Jesus with some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem. They saw that some of his disciples ate with their hands, ate with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. For the Pharisees and the Jews, and all the Jews, do not eat unless they wash their hands, they said, holding to the tradition of the elders. And when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other traditions that they observe, such as the washing of cups and pots and copper vessels and dining couches. And the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, Why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders? But each but they eat with defiled hands. And he said to them, Well did Isaiah prophesy of you, hypocrites, as it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You leave the commandment of God and hold the tradition of men. And he said to them, You have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your tradition. For Moses said, honor your father and mother, and whoever reviles father and mother must surely die. But you say, if a man tells his father or his his mother, whatever you would have gained from me is Corban. So Mark here, as he writes this, translates the Hebrew word that was Corbin, that is a, a gift given to God because Mark is written to a predominantly Gentile audience. He says, Then no longer permit him to do anything for his father or mother, thus making void the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down in many such things you do. So they, they said, Here, I'm, I'm taking these resources, I'm setting them aside as a promised vow to God. Using it as an excuse to neglect financial support of their parents who are obviously older. Jesus says, God said, honor your father and mother. And he who speaks evil of father and mother, let him be put to death. So Jesus points uh, to that very call of the death penalty for disobedience. So with all their made-up traditions, one of those made-up traditions was this, was this, this vow to set aside for God as an excuse, um, you know, in, in reserving possessions set aside to avoid responsibility of parental support. Isn't that interesting? Honor your father and mother. He goes back to the Decalogue. For these religious hypocrites, making up their own traditions, making themselves look pious, 
you know, a Corbin vow. This, oh, this is set aside for God. God. That's how they say God. And you really, he says, you're deserving of death. It's interesting. You know, parental responsibilities shouldn't be shifted to the government. Parental responsibilities shouldn't be placed upon the church. The church, to some degree, can and should help. But the primary responsibility of parents that need to be cared for in honor of mother and father is the children of those parents. They are to be fundamentally responsible for their parents. So we see a positive and a negative side to the commandment. To show proper respect or neglect is a failure to fulfill an obligation to our parents. In Ephesians 6, Paul writes, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, he writes, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. So Paul calls for a positive response to the authority of parents on the part of the children. This is not only children that are still under the roof, but also applicable to adult children. Maybe even especially to adult children. As Paul writes this. Okay, now, we, we see the history, we see the role of the father, we see the role of parents and in, in, in nurturing their children in this truth so that they will hopefully grow to honor their parents because they honor their Lord. But sometimes, as we all know, that there are some children that are, that are orphaned by their parents, they're neglected by their parents, they're deserted by unfaithful parents. And we see in the New Covenant community, uh, as a picture of God's um, New Covenant family, that we're referred to as members of the household of faith. We're members of the household of faith. In Hebrews 3, we read, that, we read this, verse 5. Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken later, but Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. And we are his house if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope. So through Christ, we are all part of the household of faith. Therefore, everyone, regardless of whether they have an earthly mother or father or brother or sister, all are taken into the household of faith and as children of God in this community of faith, all have a father and a mother and a brother and a sister. Amen? Matthew 12, Jesus asked, Who is my mother and who are my brothers? And he stretched out his hand toward his disciples and he said, Here are my mother and my brothers, for whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. So therefore, we can rightly stretch this command to apply not only to our honoring of mother and father by way of blood, but also those who are seasoned among us in the household of faith. 
Paul, in his writings, is concerned that younger Christians will show respect for the fathers of the faith, mothers of the faith, older Christians, to show them due reverence. When that, doesn't, that is one of the most despicable things to see in our day. Young, hotshot Christians who think they know so much, and they call out older men, like are disrespectful, especially to those fathers of the faith, as First John talks about. First Timothy 5, Paul writes, Do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father. Treat younger men like brothers. Older women like mothers. Younger women like not objects, but sisters in all purity. Family instruction for the household of faith. I mean, there's obviously an epidemic problem in our day with, uh, of respect, of, uh, I should say, disrespect for parents and in older people. This, this was sown into me so much so that any time I was out in public, and I was kind of rough, rough, rumbling, and tough. I wouldn't have thought for a moment to run my mouth at it, 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 an adult man. This is when I'm 16, 17, 18. Even in my 20s, you wouldn't have seen me talking down or disrespectful to anyone in their 30s or 40s or 50s or 60s, let alone 60s, 70s, 80s. Because I always had a picture of my dad in my mind. Of what he taught me and what he would do. I don't think I ever mouthed off to someone. But this is not true in our day. There's a breakdown. You school teachers know this. Right? You you, you folks who work in the school system, you see this every day. They'll talk to you like they talk to their friends. Amen? Can I get an amen? Teachers? We have to go out of our way to foster this attitude with our children. This attitude of honor and respect. Not only for us, but for others in society. Authority figures. It applies to church authorities, church leadership. Elisha could call Elijah his father in the Lord, amen? He was his father in the Lord. Spiritual leaders in the New Testament are referred to as fathers. Spiritual women, seasoned women as mothers. And the blessing attached to this commandment is those who obey will be blessed. They will be blessed. So there's a great promise attached. And God isn't saying do this and and you will get this blessing. Do this because you get this blessing. He's pointing out the inseparable connection between obedience and blessing in his plan. It's really simple. The one who walks in the way of obedience, God always says, walks in the way of blessing. With obedience comes blessing time and time again. We all know this, right? We all know this. Honors to be shown. 
reverence. <clears throat> it's not easy to do all the time, though, amen? Yeah. It's not easy to do. That's why we need grace. If you notice what's interesting in this command, it's not only to honor fathers, because even surrounding pagan cultures would have had that precept as part of their um, cultural identity. You just honor fathers. But also here we see honor mothers, which wouldn't have been as common. Children, obey your parents. Old Testament, New Testament, obey your parents in the Lord. This is right. Ephesians 6 Honor your father and mother, he says, is the first commandment with a promise. So again, the principle, when we're faithful to do what God has commanded us to do, he's faithful to bless us. And don't get all tied up about you know, the exceptions to the rule. Don't get all tied up with abounding grace. Of course, it's all because of grace, amen? It's all because of the gospel. But with obedience, there comes blessing. And your, do your children know this? When they obey you, what do you do with them? You bless them. You reward them. You reward them. You could have one child in your family who, who, whose heart's desire it is to honor you for the sake of honoring you. Not just for the sake of receiving a blessing. And you, as a parent, if you parent long enough, you, you can discern that their desire is to honor you for the sake of honoring you versus a child who pretends to honor you for the sake of blessing. And one child may receive more blessings than the other because of that. Well, if we do that, what do you think God does? He does the same thing. Everything comes down from him anyway. So here's a beautiful promise. He says to the children of Israel, honor your mother and father so that your days may be long upon the land that your, the Lord your God has given you. We read it in the New Testament. So when we fail, we go to the cross, we receive forgiveness, and we continue on with the abounding grace of our Lord. Amen? So there's a lot attached to this a commandment. Uh, to talk about father's responsibility first and foremost to sow these divine glorious truths into the children the mother she stands alongside the father Timothy who had no father was blessed by his grandmother and mother this theology was transferred this doctrine was transferred to him via these wonderful women so there's the responsibility. As our parents get older, honor and respect, it never ceases, amen? There's, you know, my mom and dad, I love them. I was able to spend time with them in their time of loss, our time of loss, to minister. I grew up in a very reformed background, and I don't have any bad attitude towards it. There's just things that I questioned that I wanted proof by way of Scripture rather than a man-made written document, which is good in and of itself. But even with my father, there's a couple of doctrinal little nuances that we disagree with, which I can support with Scripture, and he has failed to do so. 
but with love and respect to my father. Do you think I'm going to mouth my father and come over him with doctrine like this? No. Why? For one, what he believes is not heresy. That's the first reason I don't. The second reason is because I honor my father. Ten years ago, we had a debate about baptism. I won the debate. (laughs) I think I won the debate. But am I going to shake my finger at my father? No, why? Because I honor my father. I respect my father. And I respect the the, the way I was raised and, and brought up. So, if your parents are Christians, and maybe they have, I'm talking they're really Christians, and they have different views doctrinally, please show them respect. Amen? Show them respect. Give them the the, the dignity and honor that is due them as parents. So may we remember that, amen? According by the grace of God. All right. Any comments? Anybody want to add to that? Because we have two minutes left. Father, we thank you for family and we thank you for our parents. And Lord, even if some of us have really bad negative memories or experience growing up, we know, Lord, that as being part of the household of faith, even if our parents are unbelievers, We're surrounded by fathers and mothers and brothers and sisters. Help us to show um, honor to one another. Help us according to your grace and the power of your spirit to revere above all else your mighty name, our glorious Lord, and to honor those that are seasoned saints especially And to look at one another as brothers and sisters and parents as family. May we we view one another as such. We do want blessing, Lord. We do want the blessings attached to the imperatives of Scripture. That as we proceed by faith, that the grace and mercy of you, our Lord, would abound in and through our lives. As we fail as parents, Lord, help us to... Just to continue on by faith, help us to be transparent with our children when we do fail. That they will know that, yeah, we are not perfect, but Lord, may we never be viewed by them as hypocrites. And may they embrace the truths that we love and the truths that we have been granted the ability to believe and to know to be true, to persevere in hope that it would be passed on to them, that they would also embrace the Savior that has shown us love and that we, in return, do love. So bless our children, Lord, to, to know, not that they, only they would know what this command means, but that we would know, so that we can convey the truths attached to it um, in their fullness. 
Not in our own might and our strength, but by the power of your spirit, we pray and ask in Jesus' name. Amen.